0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Bible Discoveries, the weekend show. Of course, on this program, we're reading through the Bible in a year at Bible Discovery. So this program discusses topics that pop up as we're reading through the Bible. And we also love to discuss your questions as well, your questions that you send us. So thank you for that. Hey, Matlock. Hey. How's it going? Good. Yeah? Yeah. Are you ready for this? I am. We're moving into the New Testament, which is pretty exciting.
1: Yes, we're done. There's no more Old Testament questions. which is great for me. <laughs> it's great
0: for you. It's great. But There'll be a lot that refer back to the Old Testament. Yes, though.
1: of course. The so New, New Testament have to. quotes
0: it a lot. You
1: have to, yeah. It's the
0: context, If you rip it? out
1: that page in the Old and New Testament, it flows really nicely from Malachi to Matthew. Besides that.
0: <laughs> besides
1: that. There is no big question today.
0: Okay, that's a fair lot, enough.
1: All of your questions. Yeah. pertain to John the Baptist. Um, you know, how long was Jesus in the grave for? Prayer and fasting and things of that nature. Yes. Yes. So, Corey... Yes, not long. Let's start off, Let's okay? okay? Let's do it. I'll and I'll we're you starting with, the first with J one? the B, right? What's that, sorry?
0: Starting off with J the B, John the Baptist.
1: J, J the B, I didn't even hear it. <laughs> I just heard <laughs> peanut butter and jelly for some reason. I was like, what? No, All that's right.
0: different. That's that is I'm different, gonna... though I, I will get
1: PBJ <laughs> later. All right, Matthew 3. Matthew 3. It's a Bible three. question. Okay. Okay. Why was Jesus baptized by John the Baptist? This is by Deborah D. She's wondering. Why right. was Jesus baptized by John the Baptist?
0: Hey, Deborah. All right. So, um, you know, recorded in the Gospels uh, is the reluctance of John the Baptist to baptize Jesus, and Jesus says that he, it needs to happen. Um, and and the the concept here is that Jesus was leading the way for us. He was setting the example of um, of what we need to do, and. I love this because this is definitely what a true leader does, doesn't it? Like he knew that he was going to be who we aspire to and, and who we aspire to follow. Uh, and, and so he led the way in that. He showed us how to do that. And in so it inaugurated. Uh, It was the beginning of the inauguration of his ministry. Uh, And the way that God had set up John the Baptist and Jesus is that Jesus was going to take over the ministry from John the Baptist. And that's the way the gospel authors also established this. You know, when John the Baptist is arrested, then Jesus pushes forward into his ministry and really takes off where John the Baptist left off. And so we're told in Matthew 3, um, and also I'm going to pop over to John in a little bit, the gospel of John. So it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John's message was that people needed to repent. But it's really interesting uh, the why that is given here in Matthew, Um, why is this John's message? In verse three, it says, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So there's this idea that John the Baptist is fulfilling this messenger role, this prophet role that's described in Isaiah chapter 40. And then when we hop on over to John, John actually has, uh, the gospel of John has John the Baptist claiming this of himself uh, because the people were trying to figure out, you know, who is this guy? There hasn't been a prophet, uh, um, a national prophet in Israel since Malachi. And so they ask him a bunch of questions. Um, So I'm going to start John 1 verse 19. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him. Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Because there was a prophecy that um, God would send Elijah. uh, And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? They asked him. And he said, no. So that prophet is in reference back to Deuteronomy chapter 31, where Moses says God's going to rise up a prophet like him. Um, So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So again, he's connected with Isaiah. And that quote, make straight the way of the Lord, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, that comes from Isaiah chapter 40. There's a reason I'm going into all of this. So Isaiah Chapter 40, I'm going to read verses one to three. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I'm going to keep reading verse four. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So there's this idea, make a highway in the wilderness for God to come to Jerusalem on level the mountains so that God doesn't have to go up them. Level the valley so God doesn't have to go in. Make a, make this huge path so that we can come to God and God can come to us. Okay. Now, what's really interesting about that is, if John the Baptist is the one making, crying out to make this highway, what is his proposal for the making of this highway? His proposal is repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. So the idea that repentance creates a way for God to work in our lives. So then Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, it also endorses John the Baptist's message, doesn't it? And we see Jesus picking up on this after, and he actually preaches, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. He's the kingdom of heaven. He is the kingdom of God. So he's endorsing this, you must repent. There must be a baptism of repentance in your heart to create this highway, this pathway for God's salvation and God's redemption into your life and also into the world. So why was Jesus baptized by John the Baptist? It inaugurated his ministry. It established a way for us to follow. And it endorsed the message and the ministry of John the Baptist that we need to repent of our sins so to receive God's salvation, to receive his Messiah. So that's right. what I would say.
1: Okay, so, but also to it, with that, Christ has nothing to repent for.
0: Yes, that's what Coming I mean. In. He was yes. leading so, us into that.
1: Right, so what's really interesting about that is that when uh, the light shines, and this is my son in whom I am well pleased, mm-hmm. right, this is actually an indication of his deity. Yes. Right, so despite humans, right, uh, you know, humans going in to be baptized for the repentance of their sins, stuff like that, that Christ doesn't need to do that. So as you're saying, this is an example for us, but in another sense, it's actually Christ showing who he is mm-hmm. when the, the the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. Um, so this actually, to me, also is a subtle hint at revealing that Christ is fully man and fully God.
0: Yeah. It, yes. It's that part of obedience. Right. That this is, this is the way that human beings have to approach God. Right. Even though Christ, you know, uh, it's in Philippians. Philippians 2 talks about how though that that Christ didn't utilize his equality with God instead he set it aside and humbled himself yes and and came in under obedience right. under God the Father yes um in so doing showing us what what our position as humans needs to be like if, yes. if a perfect if if Christ himself who was equal with God in all respects didn't essentially use that against God, but rather chose to humble himself in obedience, how much more us who are not perfect Mm. and are sinful need to adopt that attitude of humility and reverence and obedience to God the Father. Yes. Yeah. That's
1: good. That's good. Corey, let me hit you with another question. Sure. All right. This is from Darlene regarding Matthew 11.
0: All right. I wanted your
1: opinion on something. We of course know John the Baptist's story, of his having the Holy Spirit in vitro, of his baptizing Jesus, etc. Why then would you say in Matthew eleven, did he send disciples, send his disciples out to ask him if he was the one to come, or should they ask someone else? Thanks. We watch a show every morning before work. It's from Darlene. So Corey, what say you?
0: Yeah, I think so. So personally, I think this just shows the the humanity of John the Baptist and the fact that he's like all of the rest of us and even though he was a minister of God and a prophet of God like Elijah it wasn't as though he was all seeing and all knowing um, and I think this might have something interesting to say about about prophets and 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 how they would have been right they're not infallible people but I digress I I really do think this shows the humanity of of John the Baptist that You can be filled with the Holy Spirit from your birth, right? And have a very clear ministry and still be not 100% sure how God is going to move. And that is because you're a fallible human. So I think it's really interesting that Matthew 11, verse 2 says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? So Matthew says that it's John hearing about the deeds of the Christ that makes him question. So what that says to me is that John was expecting Jesus to do something else that he has not done. So John was expecting Jesus to do something more or something different than what Jesus was actually doing. And so John was a little bit confused about this. That's really interesting. So one who has received messages from God, still he's faithfully delivering those messages. He's faithfully preaching the kingdom and faithfully preaching repentance and fulfilling Isaiah chapter 40. But he's still confused on who exactly it is that he is proclaiming, what ministry exactly the Messiah has. And and it's easy for us to take that for granted because like you said, we have the rest of the New Testament, right, Darlene? So we know how the story ends up. But when he was actually in it, he wasn't so sure. So yeah, that's what I would say. It appears from Matthew that, that that something that Jesus was doing or not doing was unexpected to John. John had expected something else. But what I love about Jesus's response is that he encourages John's trust. He encourages John's trust in God, his faith, right? Because he has it sent back. Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you, he- what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So he points to the actions that are prophesied of the Messiah and of God in the old testament so this would have just helped john along
1: right that's good yeah yeah i've heard alternative answers to this i've even heard one and i i i was trying to recall it the whole time but i couldn't do it i've heard one where john this is not exactly what we think it means john's not actually questioning jesus it's more like rhetorical but either way um i think that's a good answer i think that's a human answer i think that anyone who goes through that dude like you were saying is yeah. showing showing humanity i don't
0: john. understand i don't I, I wouldn't understand that other Answer takes, is as if it's like trying to make John out to be.
1: No, it's, it's not
0: like he could have questioned.
1: No, yeah, I, I, I yeah, it's I hard to, to explain. I'll look. It I'm going to look it up. We're we'll into now it now. I'm later. curious. Yes, it's, to see the
0: alternate explanations. But yeah, yes. I like, I like the one that I gave only because to me that's what it seems like in the scripture. Like it, from the scripture alone, yes, he heard about him, and then he's like, mm, "Are you the one?" <laughs> yes, and then Jesus says, "Blessed is he who is not offended by me." Right. right?
1: anyway. (laughs) Anyways, let's go to the next question. Corey, is it your question? Yep. From Rick. Can you tell me where in the Bible it says that suicide is a sin and you won't go to heaven? Is it blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Can I just say initially off the cuff, it is not blasphemy of the Holy
0: Spirit. Yeah, that's different.
1: Yeah, it's very different. So just off the cuff, no, that's not what it is. We could talk about what that is, but first, let's answer the first question. Can you tell me where in the Bible it says that suicide is a sin and you won't go to heaven?
0: Okay, so nowhere in the Bible does it explicitly say or list suicide as a sin um, and that in, in by by committing suicide, you would not go to heaven. Um, what the Bible does say is that murder is a sin. And so self-murder would still be a sin, right? So if you go to um, Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel. <laughs> Exodus. Exodus chapter 20 It's of course, this. it's the sixth commandment, do not murder, right? So the concept being that life, human life specifically, is God's domain. So we take it at our own peril. We have, right. This is something that is God's domain and, and we have to be really careful with. Jesus also talks about not murdering. He, he, he verifies that that is still a moral law of God in Matthew 19, I believe. Um, okay, so murder uh, is is wrong, and so by extension, self-murder would be wrong. Um, when you go into Job, for example, uh, Job wants to die, and yet he will not allow himself to kill himself. He he talks about again. I think it's in Job one. Uh, I think around verse 21 that Job talks about how life is sacred to God and God gives life and God takes away life. When we look at godly men in the scriptures or prophets, they do go through times of severe depression, um, even times where they want to die. If you think about Elijah, when he's running from Jezebel in 1 Kings 19, he actually asked God to kill him. He says, I've had enough. I want to die. And God essentially does grant that request but he has he has Elijah he gives Elijah more uh, more of a mission first and then of course Elijah gets taken into heaven right Jonah also in Jonah 4 he wants to die but he doesn't do it so when people are building a case for suicide being sinful These are the areas that they go to. So they look at godly men who refuse to do it. They look at verses that talk about human life uh, being given and taken away by God. They look at Exodus 20, um, the the Ten Commandments that talk about not murdering and self-murdering. They look at examples in the scripture that we do have of people committing suicide. And um, in the scripture, the examples that we have, save for the armor bearer of Saul, they all seem to be wicked um, men, wicked examples. So we have Saul, we have Judas, um, we have, there's a king, Zimri, that burns himself alive in the palace. Um, I think there's six or seven men that are said here. Now, so I think, I. so when you go to, there is no verse that says suicide is a sin, but you can build a solid biblical case for the fact that suicide is a sin.
1: Well, I think it's, just to chime in here. Sure. Because of course, yes, murder, self-murder, right? Also to add into the, the greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. You have to love yourself mm-hmm. as part of that. Right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. So to hate yourself, to want to commit suicide, mm-hmm. is showing that you're trapped in some sort of sin condition, mm-hmm. uh, state, or circumstance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like there's a whole bunch of text that you can yeah. build a case that suicide is actually wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: now, in terms of not not entering into heaven because of suicide, this is nowhere in the Bible either. This is um, this was is made popular by the Catholic Church. So, the Catholic Church, if I'm understanding it correctly, has venial versus mortal sins. So, mortal sins are more are sins with more serious consequences. So, if you commit a mortal sin, you your salvation is severed. Um, And you need to ask for repentance, otherwise you will not enter heaven. And
1: murder is a mortal sin. And
0: murder, and by extension suicide, is a mortal sin according to Catholic theology. And so therefore anyone who commits suicide in the Catholic teaching does not enter heaven. I personally do not take this stand at all. And I know that that might make some of you upset with me but i do not take this stand at all i believe that that our we do not lose our salvation based off of the works that we do necessarily so if we continue in a pattern of sin that is an indicator that we are we are not saved right so when you, when you're when you're going into the scriptures that talk about repeated sin and if you if you live in certain types of sin you will not inherit the kingdom of god okay not struggling with sin but actively engaging and living in it full force we all struggle with our sin but i don't personally believe that it's fair to say that someone who commits suicide is not struggling with that sin and has just wholesale abandoned themselves to that. I do believe that it is a sin, but I think that we can we can make a judgment that the action is a sin without making a judgment that that soul is in hell or in heaven. I believe that that, is, that decision is God's alone, is Christ's alone. He is the judge. He holds those keys, not us. So I would say that, yes, suicide is a sin, but I would not say that it is necessarily a mortal sin in the Catholic sense of the term in which if you commit suicide, you automatically go to hell. That is not to say that I think we need to lighten the discussion when it comes to suicide I think suicide is a very serious thing and it's something that everyone could struggle with not like Christians and non-christians alike can struggle with depression and suicide it's never good to commit suicide and and there there should be hope that hope of salvation should be able to help us and I do believe it can um, but I but I also believe it's a battle so that's where I that's where I come down on the issue and I hope that answers your question in terms of where to find these things in the scripture.
1: Right. Well, I think, okay, so just to talk a little bit more on this. Yeah. I think um, what's good there is that you highlighted some people who wanted to die and wanted to basically, but they didn't do it themselves. They wanted God to do it because they knew that God it. was yep. the author and taker of life. Yep. If God makes it, he can take it and that's his decision. So that yep. keeps the proper priority structure in place and the yep. hierarchy and stretch, uh, in place so that things aren't, you know, total chaos, pandemonium. Um, in this, in this is that why like why couldn't they just do it then why? well of course god's the maker and taker of life but god has a plan in this process for you yes and you know that despite you living this life and despite what you want like as paul says i'd rather be with my maker but i'm here for you yep i'm here for you right so it's at that whole place you're living for other people love your neighbor as yourself you're living for other people it's not really about yourself or what you want right there's more to this life than just what you want yep. and because of that um Suicide is inherently like a selfish thing. Does that necessitate that you are necessarily damned hell? Well, what does Peter say? Uh, Paul says, sorry, when in Corinthians, when people were involved in tremendous sin, Mm. and he goes, well, lead lead the person out of the congregation for the destruction of the flesh, for the salvation of the soul. Um, In other words, it's like someone could be deeply entrenched in this physical, fleshly way of thinking, and God could still have the hand in their life. If the holy spirit was in them but they've quenched the holy spirit so badly that there it's no longer perceptible uh to some to some extent but god yeah. has his hand in this yeah. so it's really important i think not to make a broad sweeping black and white uh position on this specifically yeah especially when we know that the brain is a muscle right it is guided by the mind but the brain is a muscle that has things can go wrong with muscles we know we have uh, muscle aches we know we have arm aches right you have a brain ache these all right things can go wrong with muscles yep. so if there's something wrong there's more to this we have a flesh side things are wrong on, on the fleshly side on the physical side of things um so there's just more there's just more than this happening that we can there's, see there's
0: more to this and and god is we can trust god's judgment on this right. we don't have to i i don't think it's our place to to step in God's place here, I think is wrong. I think it's wrong to say you will you will go to hell here, Christian. If you do that, we don't know that, and and I I know that we can trust God in that it, in His righteousness, in His mercy, and in His in His judgment, He knows.
1: Yes, but I think to make it even more specific, because I don't think you can make a blanket statement. I think new, there might be particular cases where God tells someone, if you do that, this will happen. And in that case, the person knows that God's speaking to that person. Right,
0: but that's... And in a,
1: that case, but that's a nuanced yeah, thing. Yeah, but
0: that's not you saying, yeah, it's, it's not a mortal sin. It's
1: right. It's not a blanket d- dogmatic decision. Like, across the board, if this happens, there's plenty. There's, there's
0: plenty of room for the Bible to say that it is a mortal sin, and it does not. It, it lists other ones. Yes,
1: and the suicide is happening all the time. Like, guards, Roman guards would commit suicide. Mm-hmm. The centurion, right? He would have to commit suicide uh, just by virtue of doing something shameful. Yeah. So it was totally on the tocket on a regular basis. It was part of your career. <laughs> well, okay? and I... It, so yeah. it's, it's not like it was something that was fringe. It was like it, just, it was a normal thing in the life of the Roman society and stuff. So, like, I don't think... Again, I think we're on the same page here. You can't make it a blanket statement. Right? But...
0: And oh, wow. and you can, you can you can have a position like mine, whereas I will not blanket statements say that it's a mortal sin and that if you commit suicide, you're going to hell. I I will not say that. I, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that is necessarily true. But I can also hold at the same time the things like medical assistance and dying in Canada that are going on are wrong. And we need to be very careful. How like I, I don't want to to lighten the talk about suicide. Like it's fine, it's probably fine, everything's fine. No, this is a very serious thing, it's not good for anyone to commit okay. suicide. And I don't want anyone to commit suicide. But I think that I but think that when an people that's a bigger discussion. We, yes, we've it been is. talking about
1: individual, like someone a That's sorry. Yeah, the underpinning tone so far has been private suicide.
0: Right. Okay. But what? But yes, it's very easy today to access suicide. Yes, especially you're, in right, Canada, you're right. You're right. And and it's like in the ancient world, brutal ways to kill yourself. Modern world, not so much. Right. There there's medical assistance here in Canada. There you also there's medication. There are many ways, yes. right? Um and that's not even talking about eating disorders. Yes. Right? That that you kill yourself without wanting to kill yourself. Yes. But kind of wanting to kill yourself. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it, there's, it's there's confusion. A that's what confusion does. But what often there's often a an argument against people who won't take a hardline stance on this and say, No, if you commit suicide, you're going to hell there's there something that is not true that is said about those of us who do not hold to that position is that we're causing people to commit more suicide therefore not go to heaven okay right. no both things can be true where i'm not going to stand in the place of god and 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 and, and judge where someone's mortal soul is go immortal soul is going uh, based off of something that's not in scripture but also, I don't want to lighten the talk no, I, around suicide. Either. Yes,
1: you can't. Well, it's wrong. It's wrong. The question. Yes, the, question of, the question of salvation is different.
0: Yes, is, I, I agree. And creating
1: a culture in which doctors can just, you know, determine what's the, what. Yeah. What's life or death? Do it's I even, lose
0: my salvation every time I sin?
1: Exactly. No. Yeah. Exactly.
0: No. Yeah. The exactly. Is no. yeah. Do, do I?
1: Uh, yes. There's a whole
0: conversation there that there's has, has not as simple as just right
1: because it's a sin. Therefore, right. you go to hell it's it's a very and each suicide case is so particular and nuanced like you were saying that there's this private cases there's corporate cases where you're you're I going know. to the doctor doctor's recommending oh yeah you should just do this mm-hmm. which happens by the way um yes it does anyways so without that yes it's wrong it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to hell agreed I, I, I agreed that is and, not in
0: the scriptures and yeah. so therefore it
1: cannot be the blasphemy of the holy spirit yeah right because blasphemy of the holy agreed. spirit is unforgivable by nature
0: okay um, Let's move on. And you will
1: not want to repent in that case. And you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's move on. Okay. <laughs> That's a different
0: topic. Yeah. But let us know what you think in the comments about that discussion. Okay. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Matlock. Yes. Why This is? This question is from Betty. And she asks, why do we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday? Is that the three days in the grace according to Matthew 12, verse 40? How do we know the resurrection was real? Thank you. Okay. <laughs>
1: The resurrection. Two
0: two different questions. Two
1: very big different questions, right? So the first one is, why do we celebrate Good Friday, Easter Sunday? It's tradition and, tells us, and it's even in the scripture. Um, Jesus died on the Friday, rested on the Sabbath, rose again on the Sunday. Now that's three days over the course of three days. Yeah, does mean three, full three? Twenty. Days. It does not mean f- three full twenty-four hour days. It means he died on the Friday.
0: Yep.
1: Rested rested on Sabbath on the Saturday, and he rose again. On the Sunday, right? So that's three points in time. Um, now, specifically here in Matthew twelve forty, it's a reference to Jonah, and obviously that's throwing back to this idea that when Jonas was in the belly of the whale, he went down and he was eaten alive, and uh, he prays to God to be saved, and mm-hmm. it spits him out, and that's you know he's in the belly of the whale for three days, belly of the fish, a great fish.
0: So right. yes, Betty. So yes, that, the three that, days. The three days, according to Matthew twelve. 12 verse 40 would be the Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
1: Yes, exactly. And so we celebrate now Christ on the Sunday because that's the day he rose from the dead. Yep. On the eighth day. Circum- day First of day of the week. Yep. That's right. It's a whole beautiful numerolo- numerological parallels. Anyways, okay, so the next question, Corey, which I'd like you to chime in on because this is your field. Oh. Uh, how? Well, do sort we... of. Well, no, it is. New Testament, <laughs> this is this one specifically with history too. It, yeah. it implies it. How do we know the resurrection was real? So with this part, there's obviously the historical data yeah. that you can point to, which I know you're much more familiar with, with Gary Habermas. And I would even say, depending if you're looking at the reliability of the New Testament accounts, which are eyewitness accounts, you would say, I would say Lydia Berger is also a good uh, person to, to go to. Um, so the historical side, there's historical evidence for that, because what you're dealing with is A whole bunch of people, not only about Jesus's life and his crucifixion, but this historical account saying that, an eyewitness account saying that Jesus rose from the dead. So you're believing eyewitness accounts. Over 500 people said they saw Christ. Well, Um, it's
0: talked about in Acts, yeah. Yes,
1: that's right. So there's historical data that suggests Christ rose from the dead in the Bible, and then the historical data of his crucifixion um, is in historical accounts roman historians and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think the crux of the issue, like if you're taking if you if you take away the scripture for a second, there's a huge crux of an issue here, right? Where where something happened. It wasn't just a normal burial and then nothing happened. Something had to have happened because what was meant to shut down a messianic movement by the religious leaders of the day turned into a massive explosion of Christianity across the Roman Empire that, that Roman authors do talk about and they do they do reference right. um, Christians and, and their crazy beliefs, right? And crucifixion was very shameful. I mean, um, even the apostle Paul in the New Testament talks about how the, the, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So to those outside of Christianity, the cross is foolishness. And the, the why that's foolish, it was so shameful Crucifixion was the lowest of the low. Um, and and so really it was the perfect way to get rid of um, a, a claimed Messiah because no Messiah worth his salt, no God man worth his salt would allow himself to be humiliated in such a way. Yes. Okay, so this really <laughs> seemed like the perfect antidote to a brewing rebellion against Rome or so the religious leaders thought in a rebellion against them. Right. But that it didn't happen. It didn't go that way. Now bringing the Bible back into it, because I do think it's fair. And I think there's a lot of good historical reasons to accept the the testimony of the New Testament. Um, bringing the Bible back into it, we see the character of the disciples go from very dejected and hiding. like When Jesus got arrested, they they abandoned him, right? Other than John, who followed along, and Peter, who kind of tagged on to John and followed along, but still ended up denying Christ, all of his disciples left, and then they're still kind of hiding out after Jesus is crucified in Jerusalem, kind of trying to figure out what's going to happen, but still trying to hide from the religious leaders. So they go from that, very dejected and unsure of what's going on, to people who are willing to put their necks on the line, to defy um, their cultural leaders and their religious leaders. Um, And eventually, Paul and Peter die for their eyewitness statement. So it's not as if they're religious zealots that have been promised amazing things and don't know the truth. If Christ truly didn't rise from the dead, Peter would have known The disciples would have known, and yet we know Peter and possibly the other disciples as well were martyred for their faith. So they died not for an idea, but for what they claimed they saw, which was Jesus resurrected from the dead. Also, when you look at the character change of Paul, who was persecuting the church and then for no reason stopped persecuting the church and started propagating the church, Well, the reason that Paul gives in his own writing is that he saw a vision of the resurrected Christ. He saw the resurrected Christ on the road to to Damascus, right? So we can look at all of those character changes within the scripture to go, yeah, there's weight there then that Christ truly did raise from the dead. Now. I'm just giving you a few points, but like Matlock mentioned, Gary Habermas, uh, he has done a ton of work on the minimal facts arguments, which strips, strips uh, the, the argument for the resurrection of Christ right down to what um, most scholars today accept as historically true about Jesus. So doesn't even depend on the entirety of the New Testament to create an argument, and there are pros and cons to that, but I think it's a really interesting argument, Betty. So if you, um, I think this was Betty's question, right? Yep. Yes. Um, so if you're interested in that, I would definitely check him out.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So that's one side. The historical evidence is a big one because, mm-hmm. as you see, like you were saying, the character change that led to martyrdom—people willing to die for this, for what they experienced, what they witnessed firsthand. Yeah. And we see that in the New Testament scriptures. Uh, scriptures when they say we're not telling you like, made up stories or fairy tales like we saw this with our eyes. Yeah. Right. This is uh. Anyways. So.
0: The second generation Christians died for what they believed to be true, but exactly. the disciples right. died for what they claimed to have seen.
1: Right. And then it's in Christianity from then on spread like wildfire. Yeah. Throughout the ancient world. Um. So that's the historical side of things. I think also too, uh, one part that's perhaps undermined in this discussion is the um. This, the, 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 the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit will testify to the resurrection of Christ um, when you're truly saved and you come to Christ um, and he's your Lord and Savior and you've repented of your sins and you' live that daily and that's your daily life as a living sacrifice. present your body as a living sacrifice um, and he is your you know he's your muse and your worship then the, the, the resurrection of Christ is unquestionable um it does not even necessarily it's proof within and of itself it's kind of like why is grass green it's like well it's just green it is what it is it's kind of like a brute fact of the christian world because when you find he, when you have the holy spirit he's witnessing and he witnesses to the things of christ what he has done what he has accomplished what he uh, intends to accomplish uh, and the hope that you have in you in the in your faith so i would say that's another factor is that you have the historical data you have the inner awareness of the holy spirit um and now I, I should say I, you could parse out to be fair. If you really wanted to be nitpicky, I'm saying history, and I'm including the Bible as part of the historical data. You could be scriptural data, historical data, in a way that is the Holy Spirit. You could you could you could parse those out if you wanted to. I I merge the two because I, I I like I don't have a reason to say that the Bible is not historical. People do that just for, for skeptics. I just there's no reason to in my mind. It's an ancient document, right? And, anyways. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I think that's pretty good. I think you could, if we sat down and wrote down all the reasons why, come up with a huge list. But that is like once again, some of these questions are whole episodes. Um, <laughs> so I don't think maybe we get next it. Year. Maybe, maybe next, next year. Maybe next year we're
0: thinking about going more topical next year. We'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> just like one big question. <laughs> one, yeah. With everything we're studying, that would be helpful for my mind because I always struggle to kind of simplify what I'm actually thinking about here. And I kind of like bumble around my thoughts. Um, But if it's just like a long form, if I can just kind of talk about all the intricate details, (laughs) that's helpful for me. Anyways, okay, let's keep going, Corey.
0: Okay, Matlock, this is another viewer question. This one is from what?
1: No, you're good, you're Uh good. Oh, I you thought I did are, something wrong. I was no, like, no, I skipped the list? You did everything so. right. Nope, you did it all good. <laughs>
0: okay, this one is from John, and it's from Matthew 17, this, all right. this infamous passage, 20 to 21. And his question is, how does fasting complement prayer? Matthew 17, verse 21, Jesus tells the disciples that the demon only goes out with prayer and fasting. And before this, in verse 20, Jesus describes faith to the, to the disciples. So... Does fasting enhance the power of prayer through faith? What makes fasting pleasing to God? So a few different questions in there. Right. How does fasting complement prayer? Does it enhance the power of prayer through faith? And what makes fasting pleasing to God? Okay, so it
1: comes down to the, to answer this question appropriately, you need to think about what is the point of fasting? Why am I fasting? What is the heart of fasting, essentially? Are you, like, if I just hypothetically checklist, I go on my hands and knees, I bow down, and i'm also not eating checklist right check those two boxes off uh, three boxes i fold my hands am i somehow enhancing my it's like well no by you refusing to eat and by you um, just bowing your knees and folding your hands it's not enhancing your right that it's the other way around it's like from the heart from the heart you will do those things like you will say i'm bowing my knees to god because god is king right i've surrendered myself and I, I'm not eating uh, for a different reason. So there's a heart here. Um, so I would say for this...
0: Well, yeah, fasting is always connected with mourning in the scriptures. Yes. It's always connected with mourning. Something is wrong.
1: Yes, that's intuitive. And so I'm like- going
0: to make my body... Right, but I think it gets messed up today yes. because we have like intermittent fasting, which is to get skinny. Oh, that's or to fair, right? Healthy, right? right or that's we fair. even have like the don't get me started on the Daniel fast, but we have the Daniel fast in <laughs> Christian circles. There's like, get help! Right? Okay, that's fair. Fasting is has in the scripture <coughs> is normally connected with mourning, and even Christ connects that right when 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 um. The 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 disciples of John come to come to Jesus and he's like we fast regularly. Why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus says, Why would they fast when the bridegroom is with them? Right. Where this is, they will fast when when I when I'm gone. Yes. They'll fast when I'm not here.
1: Yeah, that ties into what I'm saying. It's it's like it's it's natural to be like when something's deeply wrong to not eat mm-hmm. like your stomach's return so it's like when something's not deeply wrong and you're not and you're like oh i'm just gonna eat food like there's something wrong about that if you could just eat food when like someone's being like destroyed right in front of you let's say mm-hmm. you could be like oh yeah like there's something just deeply wrong about that like you have no sensibility <laughs> you're, you're, anyways no spiritual sensibility so um so i would say that it starts there with the heart and the reason why the heart of why you're fasting is really important it's not just a checklist off the cuff. Um, so with that, then there comes humility. So this humility, right? When, uh, when it comes to fasting, and there's an actual sense that you're saying that a mourning, uh, penit- uh, even, it could even be penitence or a type of repentance in this fasting. Um, there's different reasons why it might not even always be like, for instance, for instance, in this case, uh, you're not repenting of your own sins in the, m- in, for, for fasting. You could do that. Um, but that in this case, it's, that's not what's happening. It's you're, you're fasting for someone else. Why? You're observing someone who's being destroyed by a demon. So, um, so that's like a terrible thing to see. Like it's very like it should just make your stomach and your just go deep down. I'm sorry, I'm not checking right, but it should really twist your, the, the knots in your stomach pretty hard. Um, um, needless to say, so the point here is that. In this fasting process you're continuing this on you feel it physically but you're doing it spiritually and you're moving forward with god in that way uh with how you know how god initially designed us to be uh actually sensing the spiritual things so that's i'm going to be that uh, being it over the head a bit but does fasting enhance the power of prayer through faith um again it's not a checklist thing in terms of if i do this, therefore it will always enhance prayer. Uh, does, is fasting a sign of humility? Well, yes, it's, it's, you're humbling yourself. And we know from James, a humble man's prayer does avail much. Like, it does matter. But a humble, you can't be like, well, I'm humble because I'm, fa-. it doesn't work that way, right? I'm humble because I'm fasting, therefore. It shows
0: your seriousness. It shows
1: yeah. your seriousness to, and the sincerity of your prayer. That's right. Yeah. So in that sense, it's like, if you're truly devoted to God, then it, it, yes, because you're showing your full devotion to God. So it's like, yeah, then you're, God will respond and listen to you, right? Uh, not It's not 100% of the time. Paul had a, a thorn in his flesh. God's like, no, my grace is sufficient for you. So it's not like it's going to, uh, by enhance the power of your prayer, it doesn't mean that um, God's going to always answer it the way you want it to. Uh, the point of being humble is that you're submitting to God and that you're praying what God would want you to pray, basically. So it's not like you're getting your way. Like, I, I, there's, there's so many nuances to it where it's, like, just trying to avoid, like, oh, yeah, you can't have a selfish, uh, humble guy, uh, prideful, humble guy, you know, fasting. Anyways, uh, and the, so the last part of this question, hopefully I'm not being too bumbly. The last part of this question is, what makes fasting pleasing to God? Again, I said it's this thing with the heart of it. Uh, but despite that, but the, uh, being humble, being uh, watchful of God's intentions, actually uh, feeling for the for the uh, for people, like be empathetic and compassionate and sympathetic towards people who are struggling in this particular context, or even for your uh, for yourself if you're in a struggling situation. Um,
0: yeah, desiring to truly follow God.
1: Yes, I will say though that sort of off topic because it's not really related to Matthew 17 is that. You, I think that fasting, in terms of a practice, is not a bad thing. I'm not trying to say that. Because I think that if you do fast, it can help with self-discipline uh, to some extent. I'm not going to say it's going to grant salvation. I'm not going that route. But it's like, hey, guess what? If you fast on a regular basis for, for particular reasons, say Lent, uh, you're giving up food for a bit. You're working. It's about self-control and self-discipline. That's a little bit different. That is profitable to some extent. Mm-hmm. Is that building up towards your salvation? Well, no, but it's actually profitable so that you don't trip over stumbling blocks or, um, uh, let the evil one get in your head in some sort of way by, by denying yourself, uh, in some bodies. So self denial is really important as well. Uh, because that is what the Christian faith is about. It's about self denial. So much of it. It's about not just doing what you feel like doing what you want to do. It's about denying something that's inherent that, that you want to do deeply uh but it's actually not good for you to do um so self-denial is a big deal and that's partly what fasting is about in this case in matthew 17 we have um i'll read Corey, did you already read this i'm going to read it again if you did yep okay he says to them because of your little faith this is but a, uh, let me start earlier and when they came to the crowd a man came up and uh to him kneeling before him this is that verse 14 and he said lord have mercy on my son for he is an epileptic and suffers terribly, for often he uh, falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you, Bring him here to me? And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Um
0: yeah, so the, the fasting comes actually in in this account in Mark chapter 9. Yes. But not all manuscripts say prayer yes, and fasting?
1: I, yes, I'm, I'm actually getting to that now. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so then it comes to I'm trying to figure out where this is. You know, this is not my study Bible, and I can't see the footnote here. Um, then disciples come to Jesus privately and said, uh, Why could we not cast it out? He said, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have the faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Okay. So yes, this one does not, the no. ESV does not keep it. The ESV does no, not no, keep no, it. No, 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 it's not
0: in Matthew. It's only in Mark.
1: No, there's a footnote here saying some manuscripts in verse 21, but this kind never comes out by, except by prayer and fasting.
0: I thought it was only in Mark.
1: No, it's in mm. verse 21. So Got me. There is Got no, me, but I know for in sure in Mark East-
0: 9. I know for sure in Mark 9. Yes. Um... 9 verse 29, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. In some manuscripts add prayer and fasting. Yes. And then um, it's also in Luke 9. The, the, the story is in Luke 9 as So well.
1: here we have, in in this ESV version, t- verse 21 is not listed at all. Okay. So it goes verse 20, then verse 22. Verse 21's in the footnotes. Gotcha. And so it goes, um, so let me repeat this. And he said to them, because of you of little faith, for you truly I say to you, if you have... a faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Uh, But this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but with this, when it comes to, you already mentioned this earlier, but making mountains low and valleys high, Mm -hmm. paving the way for Christ. You have this, when Christ is referencing this idea of removing mountains, he's talking about spiritual strongholds, all right, as well. And what do you have here? You have a demon. You have like a false god who is inhabiting this person, controlling him for his will. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing with this mountain? You're removing the mountain, right? You're creating the way for the for the Lord to come in. Yes, and it's how that, same do you concept. Do that
0: through repentance. It's, and how do you repent? Historically, through prayer and fasting, because because repentance involves mourning for your sin. And fasting was a form of mourning. Yes. So prayer and fasting, that 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 concept of repentance and humility before God, it... It creates a way for God's salvation to come and for God to move and for God to God to heal right. and work. So this makes a tremendous amount of sense.
1: It does well because like, you think about it. So food is is to sustain life, even the tree of life. Okay, so food tree- is
0: also celebratory. Yes, it is. Yeah.
1: So it's like, what is the opposite of that? Fasting. Morning. Right? Morning. Something is that's wrong. Right. That's Some, right.
0: Something is wrong and everything needs to stop. The physical is gonna match the spiritual. Something that's is right. wrong.
1: And that's what Let's we're getting. Mourn. At. The Let's physical humble ourselves. Matching the spiritual. Yes. Right? The physical lines itself up with what's spiritually true. Yes. That's the point.
0: And and there's and I think it's really interesting because in the like in in the Mosaic law, this stuff is written in where it's when you want to celebrate God's provision and celebrate the work that God has done, you give tithes and offerings you you have you like the ancient Israelites would have a fellowship meal before God, so they would literally either bring food from their own homes or they would bring money and buy food at the at the sanctuary, and they would give a portion of it to the temple, and they would have a big feast essentially celebrating yes. the provision of God. And the opposite was true if they were if they were in if they were mourning the passing of a loved one or they were mourning some sort of national tragedy or or or, or really anything even their own sin they would not eat and they would come before god right. in humility and 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 in need
1: that's right right so it's, it's built in feast fast remove the e
0: <laughs> there you go There's the, that's the
1: remove etymology remove everything that's, right. that's why we eat have breakfast everything? let's go breaking fast you're yeah. fasting for the night yeah it's anyway, just fun to chat <laughs> but um
0: it is fun to talk about i think i think that's good i think i that, think
1: that's good yeah what do you I, guys
0: think I want, I want, I want to know what they think. Yeah. I, about feasting important. and fasting, and and <laughs> I would be really curious to know if you guys fast. Uh, like, do you fast regularly? Do you fast spontaneously? How do you do it? Or, or have you not fasted? What's your position on that? Let me know, because I'm really curious. Do you have any questions that you want to ask them to read about in the comments? Off the top of your me? head? Me? I'm just wondering. I, I always never ask have them questions. questions. Yeah.
1: You, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let me know what you think. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd like to know. I do actually, I'm usually on her account, responding. He does. Like, we, hey. both,
0: we, both, yes. we both are on my account responding that's right. as me. Sometimes you tell them that So
1: subscribe to her channel if you haven't already. She <laughs> <you> always <laughs> Please subscribe.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Cause most people who watch this don't actually subscribe, but it's, it's more helpful if you subscribe. Anyway, we digress. I hope you guys have a really good week, a happy reading and studying. And until next time, I'll see you later. Thank you so much for watching.